I am absolutely convinced that God wants to use Cornerstone as a place of healing for our city. And when I say a place of healing, I'm not just simply talking spiritual healing. And I will clarify and say this morning that obviously spiritual healing and health is most important in our lives. You can be healed in your body, but if your eternal soul is lost, what's the point? However, I also know the struggles that many people have, and I also know that Jesus has paid for our healing. And if he's paid for our healing, then we should not only experience the healing of our spiritual lives and the health in our spiritual lives, but we should also experience and receive the health in our physical lives. And I believe that God has raised this message up in my heart. And many years ago, he raised this message up in my heart. But I believe that he's, he's inspiring or challenging me in this message again because God has called Cornerstone, in a sense, to be a hospital to Edmonton. I look to the day when the people, when doctors at the U of A just down the road may turn to their, to their patients and say, there's nothing that I can do for you, but I know of a place. I don't understand, I don't get it, but I know of a place Go there. There's a church there on 109th. Go there. People are struggling today. Even with all of this, with the COVID and everything. You know, one of the reasons the church has been, in a sense, handcuffed in this time is because as the church, we have not walked in the place of healing that God desires us to walk in. Let me tell you something. If the world would see that COVID patients would come into a church and walk out completely whole, the world would take notice. And so today, I want us to begin in this study. And I understand as we go through this study, I'm going to be really upfront and honest with you. As we go through this study, I understand there's going to be some things that I may say that may challenge you with regards to some traditions that we've had in the church and even in Christianity regarding this subject. And I'm fully aware of that. But I ask today that you simply listen and hear and let the Spirit of God minister to your hearts. Before people can have an unwavering faith for the healing of their body, they must be rid of all uncertainty concerning God's will in this area. Before a church can operate or be a place of healing for those needing and seeking hope or healing, that church must be a community united with fixed faith. Before a leader or a pastor can function as a pastor, seeing this gift of healing or any other gift, he or she must be fixed upon what God says in this matter. And in every area of our life, 
Our taking hold of faith cannot reach beyond our knowledge of what God's will or revealed will is. There's a story of Israel from the Old Testament. We see in the Old Testament God bringing Israel out of the land of Egypt. And the land of Egypt is often pictured or uh, exemplified by being a place of bondage, a place of slavery, a place of sin, even being in the world. And God brought them into the promised land, which is often compared or pictured in our lives today as a place of, or the inheritance of salvation that we receive. As you read through the story of of, of this, you will find that at the entry point of the promised land, God assigns Joshua to lead Israel. Moses has died. And God says, Joshua, you're going to lead my people. And God assigns Joshua to lead Israel into the promised land. And God reminds Joshua of a promise that he had given. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, So now get up and cross over the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land that I am giving to the children of Israel. I have given you every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, as I said to Moses. This is an incredible promise which God had given Israel as they faced or were about to enter the promised land. But it comes with some instructions. God says, I've given it to you, so how many know that it's done? I've given it to you, but it comes with an instruction that every place that you put your foot down on. I'll tell you something. Israel could sit all day, all year long on that one side of the Jordan, but until they put the boots to the ground, so to speak, they would not have possessed the land. In similar ways, our possession of the New Testament blessing or promises provided in our redemption is ours as we put our feet to it. It reminds me a little bit of a New Testament verse, and I'm not going to go through it all, but I I just think about this verse found in Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13. It says there, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but so much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God is the one working in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. Salvation is worked in us by God, His Spirit, and it is free. It is by grace alone through faith. You and I can't do any work or activity to gain God's favor in our lives. But listen, we have a responsibility that requires us in our, in our salvation to be worked out through obedience independent upon the Holy Spirit. I always think of it this way. Salvation is free, but it costs me everything. Because salvation requires my complete dependence upon God. It requires my complete obedience to Him. It requires me to desire to please Him. 
How many know often we want to desire we desire to please ourselves? Salvation requires me to walk by his spirit. Any or all of God's blessings or promises are yours to possess in the name of Jesus. All the promises in the Bible are yours. Yet we must walk in faith upon the promises of our inheritance to receive them. So many Christians come to church or go to church, and I'm not talking about here, so don't. Maybe. Many people go to the church and they want to sit in the pews of the church and they sit there and they say, well, God, if you want to touch me, here I am. God, if you want to bless me, here I am. God, if, if you want to do something in my life, here I am. But I'm going to sit here until you do it. God, you've promised that you would do it. You know, it's kind of like, God, if you want me to have a job, I'm sitting here at home. You can provide it for me. Just have them call me. And we forget that in the walk of a Christian life, there is responsibility upon our part. Yes, it's all done by God. Yes, our complete dependence is upon Him. But God gives us instructions. God gives us a place of obedience, a place of, of walking in faith, even as he did with Israel and said, every place that you put your foot down upon, it'll be yours. I mean, even Israel facing Jericho. God, you can destroy, you can bring down the walls. Go walk around. Oh, yeah, but God, I'll sit here and watch. And I would encourage us this morning, we have a place of responsibility of contending for those things that we want to see take place in our life that God has given to us. Our dependence and our faith must be completely upon him. And there is nothing we can do to gain his favor, but it is us working alongside and giving ourselves over to him, walking in obedience to what he says. God gives us promises in his word, and each of these promises are a revelation. Think about this. Each of the promises of Scripture are a revelation of what God is enthusiastically eager and desirous to do for us. Have you ever realized that every promise in God's word, God is eager to do for you? God is desirous to do for you. That God is enthusiastic to do for you. It's like me when my little kids come up to me and, Daddy, Daddy, I want this. It's like, how can you say no? I love them so much. Daddy, give me a hug. What do you think I'm going to say? No? I enthusiastically and eagerly and desiring them, I pick them up and hold them in my arms. But until we know what God's will is, there is nothing we can, we, we can base our faith upon. Romans 10, 17 says this, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In regards to healing, as any promise or blessing to possess the faith in God, we must know what God has promised or not promised. 
And many Christians are unsure of this area. Many pray with the attitude and even the words, if it's your will. And I'm going to say this morning, praying those words regarding healing is not biblical. It's not praying in faith. Because God gives us His Word which tells us His will. The Gospel does not leave us in uncertainty in prayer. The Gospel is the good news which tells us what God's will is so that we can pray and possess by faith the promises that God has given to us. I would encourage you in any area of your life, if you are looking for God to do something in your life, never pray if it be your will because that is just simply a prayer of uh, lack of understanding. If you, Before you even get into prayer, go into God's Word and see what His will is. If God's will says, if He says, this is not for you, then even if you pray, if it be your will, it's not going to work. It's pointless. But if you pray and you see what the Word of God says and you pray according to the Word of God, then you can have faith in that. Jesus, our substitute, bore our sins and our sicknesses that we might be delivered from them. And so to get a better understanding of the promise of healing in Scripture, I believe that it's good to start right from the beginning and find out and look at the origin of sickness and disease. I, I believe that as we look at the origin of sickness and disease, we will realize and understand the, the promise that God has given to us through Jesus Christ. So that's our topic this morning. When Adam fell, he lost everything. We lost everything. The fall had dire, lasting consequences upon humanity. Sickness and disease is one of the consequences of this fall that took place in the garden. When God had completed creation, remember God said, let there be, and there was all these things that were, that were created. When God had accomplished or completed creation in the Bible, it records in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. At the opening of creation, there was no sin, there was no death, there was no sickness. It was very good. And God commanded Adam in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Adam and Eve were permitted to eat from all the trees in the Garden of Eden, except for the one, tree of knowledge of good and evil. This was the only law, this was the only command that God instructed Adam to live by. And just in our natural world, there are consequences to breaking the law that God gives you. If you try to break or defy the law of gravity, guess what? You will lose. If you break the law on the road, guess what? You get a ticket. I've experienced that. 
And God warned Adam that if he disobeyed by eating of the tree that he was, that he was instructed not to, there would come death. Death meaning a curse of spiritual death, yes, but also separation from God. And, and physical death would also, also result here. We know what happened in reading Genesis chapter 3, 22 and 24, which is not up there. You can read it if you want. It tells us that Adam did everything that he was instructed by God not to do. He ate of the tree. He disobeyed the command of God, and as a result of disobeying God, Adam and Eve were driven from the garden, and man became subject as a slave to sin and to death. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, that being Adam, and death through sin, so death has spread to all men because all have sinned. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The very physical and spiritual nature of Adam was changed, and as a result, and as, as a result of the consequences of this, they, it was passed down to all of humanity. Some specifics regarding Romans 5.12. First, we see there, especially related to our health, sin entered through Adam. We see that. We understand that. We also see that it says there that death entered through sin. Do you know that sickness is the starting point of death? Disease is a physical penalty of sin, and we're going to see that even more this morning. Disease that advances beyond the natural ability of the body to heal or beyond even the skills of our modern-day medicine results in death. And since disease entered by sin, the remedy for it can only be found in the remedy for sin. which can only happen through God removing the curse by substitution. Now here's the good news. Jesus is the remedy. Jesus is the remedy to the curse that came. The good news is that Jesus came to remedy and restore everything that Adam lost. Another verse from Romans highlights this in Romans 5.19, For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one the many, were, or, the many will be made righteous. The disobedience of Adam made all of us sinners. But let me tell you something, the obedience of Christ makes it possible for all of us to be made righteous. That is good news this morning because you can't do it yourself. Even if you try, you can't do it. But God's done it for you. Jesus came. He was obedient. He fulfilled the law. And in doing so, he paid the price for mankind to be made free, to be set free from the curse once and, once and for all and be in relationship with God and receive his favor. Do you know this morning that if Jesus Christ is in your life, that if you have come to a place of faith in him today, you have received the favor of God upon your life. And the Bible tells us 
in Galatians 3, 13 and 14, that Christ has redeemed us. Amen? He has redeemed us, meaning he has paid for our freedom from the curse of the law. And how did he do it? By being made a curse for us, for as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Listen this morning. The curse that belonged to us was placed upon Christ. He was substituted in and on our behalf. He became the curse for us in our place. So when, so when Jesus went to, a, to the cross, there was a supernatural legal trans, transaction that took place. That which was lost, that which was dead, that which was cursed, was purchased for by the activities of Christ on the cross. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But Jesus did it. Titus 2.14 says this, who, speaking of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a special people zealous of good works. So Jesus is the remedy to the curse, but I want us to see again, sickness is included in the curse. Therefore, healing is found in the remedy. The foundation for our healing comes out of what we've just looked at. Spiritual death and physical death result from the curse of the law, but so, in, so is any form of sickness and disease. If you look into the Old Testament, we see sin and sickness tied together. When sin happened, sickness came. Let me give you some examples this morning. Miriam, the sister of Moses, was inflicted with a terrible infectious disease as judgment because of her sins against God. It says in Numbers chapter 12, verses 9 and 11, And the anger of the Lord burned against them, and he set out. When the cloud went away from over the tabernacle, Miriam became less leprous as snow, and Aaron toward turned toward Miriam and saw that she was leprous. Aaron said to Moses, Alas, my Lord, do not lay the sin on us, which we have done foolishly and which we have sinned. Another example is when Israel itself murmured against Moses and Aaron in Numbers chapter 16. It says that God's anger was kindled against Israel and he was set to destroy Israel. And in verses 47 and 49, it says there, Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly where the plague had begun moving among the people. And he put, in, he put incense and made atonement for the people. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700. Another one. Numbers chapter 25. Israel was was uh, dwelling in, in Shittim, and the, and the people began to commit sexual immorality with the women there. Israel joined in, in worship and sacrifice to their gods, and, and the people ate and even bowed down to their gods. And again, the anger of God was kindled and inflamed against in Israel, and the result of it was a plague. 
Verse 9, it says there in Numbers chapter 25, those that died in the plague were 24,000. These are just, as I'm leaving them out or, or reading them out to you, these are just examples that we see in Scripture that when sin took place, sickness came. Another one, in the book of Samuel, chapters 5 and 6, we read how, the, how God sent a plague of tumors amongst the Philistines living in and around Gaza because of their sin. 1 Samuel 5, verse 12, it says, The men that did not die were plagued with the tumors, and the city, or the cry of the city went up to heaven. In Deuteronomy, we see it explicitly declared and explained, and it reveals that sickness and disease are a result of the curse which comes because of sin. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, it says there, But it will happen if you will not listen to the voice of the Lord your God by being careful to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And you can go through and read, read all of it, but verse 22 says this, The Lord will strike you with a wasting disease, with a fever, with inflammation, with an extreme heat, with a sword, with blight, and with mildew, and they will pursue you until you perish. Verses 27 and 28 says, The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors, eczema, and with the itch from which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and bewilderment of heart. Do you also understand from that scripture there today that we can see that even mental illness, mental illness is part of the curse. The certainty of Scripture is this. Sickness is part of the curse for breaking God's law. Sickness and sh disease should not be looked at as normal or ordinary. Just as sin should not be looked at as normal and ordinary. The very Word tells us that it's not normal. Disease. If you just simply look it up in the dictionary, it talks about it being an illness that affects a person in a condition that prevents the body or the mind from working normally. Sickness and disease were not part of the original creation. It is not because we live in a world where our bodies get worn down or become old, and it is inevitable to become sick. That comes about because just like death, sickness is a curse. Through the fall, humanity lost everything, including health. Every affliction that attaches itself to bring us pain and destruction is a result of the curse of the law. Yet as we see, there's good news. Jesus was anointed and called to bring freedom. Jesus says in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed. Acts 10 and 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus is our hope. But from Scripture, we can see the close connection between sin and sickness, just as there is a close, intimate connection between the body and soul. 
Now, I want to say this because you could look at this and if you are dealing with something in your body today, you could, you could think or, or, or be very condemned. I, I want us to understand this morning, this is not to suggest that everyone who is sick has committed some horrible sin and is now being judged with sickness. Okay? Some people, some people have, some people struggle with things in their body because, yes, they've done things that have brought it upon themselves. But I want us to understand this morning that what I'm really trying to say is that everyone is born into sin, and this is the root cause of sickness. So don't walk out of here and think, oh, because you might be struggling with something, that automatically means that there's something that you've done. But it is essential for us to recognize the intimate relationship between sin and sickness because the only remedy for sickness is found in the cure for sin. And going back to Galatians 3 and 13, it says there, Christ has redeemed us, or he's paid for our freedom from the curse of the law. There's no qualification there in that verse. He is talking about the totalitarian or the totalitarian the totality of the curse. Jesus paid for our redemption from every aspect of the curse because he was made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The work of the cross is not partial, but it is complete and whole. Since Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law and sickness is part of the curse, Christ has redeemed us from sickness. Healing is part of our inheritance. It belongs to us because it's been provided to us by Jesus Christ. And I'll say this this morning. I would like to see Jesus get everything that he paid for. In my life, I want to see Jesus receive everything that he paid for. Isaiah foretold us what Jesus would accomplish when he wrote in Isaiah 53, He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Many, many people reason this scripture to speak only about our spiritual state and that it does not apply to our physical bodies. Yet if you were to look in verse 4, it says there that he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, which means he's bore our pain and he's carried our sicknesses. Matthew confirms this when he writes, when he talked about how it fulfilled the, the, the prophet Isaiah in Matthew 8 and 16. It says there, when the evening came, they brought to Jesus many who were possessed with demons. And Jesus Jesus cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all who were sick, 
to fulfill what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Listen this morning. Yes, there is sin. Yes, there is sickness. Yes, there is disease. But Jesus has conquered all of it. And he conquered all of it so that you and I could walk in a place of freedom so that you and I can walk in a place of health, not only simply in our spiritual lives, but also so that we can walk in it in our physical bodies and in our physical lives. If I can believe that God laid my iniquities on Christ, and as a result of Christ carrying my iniquities, I am now set free from condemnation and I have salvation, then I can also believe this passage about sickness, which is that God laid my sickness upon Jesus. God laid my diseases upon Jesus. That Jesus has carried it so that I don't have to carry it. He the he paid the price, so I am set free from condemnation. I am set free from the curse, and by his stripes I am healed. Healing belongs to us just as much as forgiveness of sin belongs to us, just as salvation belongs to us, because it's all all part and parcel of everything that God has provided to us by Jesus Christ. But I believe that God wants us to contend for the things that he's provided to us. I believe that God wants us to walk in a place of faith, that God wants us to, to step out and step out in faith and take that which he's given to us. You say, but Pastor Chad, there's lots of questions. Yeah, I know there's lots of questions. We'll probably deal with some over the next couple of weeks. You say, but Pastor Chad, look at you. Yeah, look at me. Pastor Chad, what about this situation or this person? Yeah, I agree. But what does the Bible say? The church has taken our experience that we have seen in recent years and recent decades and recent time in Christianity, and we have adjusted the Bible to match our experience rather than looking for and contending for our experience to match what the Bible says. We have made excuses. We have come up with nice little niceties that explain to make people feel better. And I'm not saying that we, 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 we should put down or condemn or anything like that. I'm just saying we, we've, rather, we've rather tried to help people in their, in their misery in a sense, be comfortable in their misery rather than look to Jesus Christ and what he's provided for and say, this is not God's will for your life. We need to contend for what God's will.